Good afternoon, everybody, and thanks for listening to the Airport Wild podcast. As always, I am your host, Brett Jacobson. Today's episode is a little bit different and a little change of pace uh, than what we've normally done. We have Jasmine uh, Almoner from Optimum Pest Pro, and she's done a really, really cool job of branding herself on social media. And so we're going to talk a, a little bit about that, as well as some tips and tricks um, that she's been doing in the pest control industry. Um, so sit back, relax. I hope you enjoy this show. And as always, thanks for listening. afternoon everybody this is brett jacobson and thank you for joining the airport wild podcast we've got a really different show today uh jasmine Almeter from optimus pest pros is joining me today and uh she is uh unique to say the least and i'm really happy to have her on the show but um yeah, so she is a uh, pest control specialist as well as a social media influencer, and we're going to talk a lot about that stuff. So Jasmine, thanks for joining us, and how's your day going so far? Yeah, you're welcome, and it's going pretty good so far. Okay, so let's just jump in real quick. Um, tell me just, because you've kind of got like a unique background, uh, you know, you've now, you, you, let's put it this way. Uh, you might have been born to do what you're doing, but you didn't just come out the womb uh, catching mice. So tell me a little bit about you, your background, and uh, we'll start there. I mean, I actually think I was born out of the womb <laughs> catching mice. Um, so I, pest control-wise, got into it six years ago, and I just was honestly cruising Craigslist. I was a stay-at-home mom and my kids were just starting schools looking for something to do. And I saw, well, I had done in the past some work with like property management companies and that company had serviced bed bugs. And so when I saw that there was this ad for pest control, I was like, I just really casually sent them an email and I said, hey, I think I might be a good fit for your company. I have some experience with bed bugs. And honestly, I really didn't. I barely did. I just kind of rode along and I saw them or whatever. And um, that company had called me and I was applying for a customer service position anyway, which I did have customer service skills and I had customer service jobs in the past. And right from the start, they kind of started interviewing me to see, like, feel out, would this girl want to do tech work? And I didn't at the time. I was, it was really like pest control seemed weird, like, but I was like, hey, I want a job, so I'll do it. Um, but they took me in and set me up for customer service. And that company, I would say, had a really elite process as far as bringing people on. And if you had an interest, you were going to be able to really meet expectations through it because they just walked you through everything. So 
Um, this guy, Derek Kemp over there sat me down and he went through like pest by pest, whether it was carpenter ants or stored product pests, um, wildlife, rodent work. And he went through the process that that company went to treat, what they used to treat, how they would treat, because they wanted the people in customer service to be able to like explain that to a customer calling in. Um, I just found it so interesting. I actually like soaked that information in and I provided killer customer service. I like really big headed about that, but I was really pretty good at it. Um, and then I, through the company applied for a tech position and they're like, no, you're too good at customer service. You're staying in customer service. It's like, okay, whatever. But then they did want to move customer service out into the field. So they said, Hey, we know you want to do it. Would you like to move out into the field? And I said, yeah. And that company was also really big on making sure their techs were licensed and stuff. And they took a lot of pride in that. So they got me licensed. Um, but when I was in the customer service role, so they're a company that had been around for 30 years and they had no social media presence. And I'm a younger generation person. So it's like, I think you really need a social media presence here. And they're like really fearful of it. Cause you don't know, like, I mean, six years ago too, I mean, we were all into social media, but for them, they just didn't know who would see it and who would take pest control the wrong way. But we convinced them to do some social media stuff. And I just started sharing on their page, but a lot of stuff I would want to share would be better if it came from a person versus a company. So at the time we created the JE account, which is very much like the Jasmine Pest Pro account, just under that company, like the company wanted to have ownership of it. So, um, and I just started sharing things sort of like the way I do, but it was more like, I would just kind of boost things that they did. Um, and, you know, I kind of outgrew that role in that company and took things over to Optimum Pest Pros. And over here, it's like I'm kind of really growing with a company where I did very much help to grow the last company, especially in their social department. But um, I would say I'm more of an asset here and I have a lot more of my input put into things. And it's nice to see a company grow with all of our visions together. It's um, especially the social media side. I mean, they just give me freedom. They're like, you just do it. And my customers love it. Rochester loves it. And I have a way of um, connecting with people like you would just never believe, but they, they eat it up. They love it. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, you know, it's funny. So we're from the same town uh, up here in upstate New York, uh, which is, a you know, Kendall, Hamlin, Brockport suburbs of Rochester, New York. Um, and yeah, I mean, one of the first things that caught my eye, obviously me being, um, you know, director of sales and marketing for a company, and I'm in charge of our social media account. Uh, while you were doing your thing, same thing with the company that I work for. Uh, you know, I started doing donut reviews just to get people to look at our Facebook page. You know, when you see a husky human being stuffing his face with donuts, <laughs> like, yeah, you're going to follow or you're going to watch it or you're going to, you know. So, yeah, you know, some of the things that you do and some of the things that I was doing was kind of aligning. And I was just like, hmm. Uh, I'm going to creep this girl's page a little bit and see what she's doing from like a pest control standpoint, because in our industry, we do wildlife removal along with, you know, wildlife management. And uh, so, yeah, so 
I'm a huge fan. You definitely have, uh, yeah, you definitely have a niche that's that's killing it right now. Uh, so let me get your your opinion on this. You know, I know this this the show. Typically, what we do is we have on experts, you know, that work in the wildlife industry, and obviously, you with pest control uh, fit that niche. But how much how much do you see uh, like company growth wise uh, directly reflecting with what you're doing with this? I don't want to say social media influencer because everybody thinks like Kim Kardashian or, you know, you know, these Jake Pauls and stuff like that that are on, you know, all over the place. But you really are influencing an entire market space with who you are and what you're doing. How much do you see a reflection of what you're doing on social media with maybe turning that, you know, those viewers into customers? So I... I am really big headed on this and I like to think that it all revolves around me and it, the truth of it is it's really hard to track. Um, I do things where I'm not paying for boosts and I really like that and I think my customers like that I come off as way more personal and human in my actions and in turn I'm building relationships with people and they're trusting me and they're and they're choosing to follow along with us. Um, in the last company, I really saw that per how that personal led to business and um I tried to advocate for benefits from that and because it wasn't trackable it was kind of like well we know it makes a difference but we don't really we can't track how it makes a difference and it could still be coming from other areas but realistically I'm a face of a company I'm no different than like flow with progressive or that Verizon guy they had going for a while um I'm knowledgeable on what I'm doing and people are seeing that and they're connecting it with like obviously their expectations on what they're going to get for somebody coming out and doing pest control but also just from connecting with other technicians I do like stupid things like I shared the video on provoke yesterday and it's just like a random thing or for a while Birchmeyer was working with me and I was using the Birchmeyer products and technicians were like oh I really like that and that product's really cool so I pass a lot of information on to other people and it's just I'm not actually doing it for any purpose it's interesting to me but it it actually benefits the community of pest control as well as the community of Rochester so I but I really do think there's I'll get out to customers houses and they'll be like I follow you on social media and sometimes I don't even realize because a lot of people follow me. So I won't really make the connection till I'm out there, but I hear it so regularly. I'm like, it, it's very evident that it does really help grow. And I don't know specific numbers off the top of my head, but just how I know I can project and we're projecting where we're going to be next year. And it's just the growth is exponential. And without that social media presence, I don't think it would really be there. Yeah, I really like the comparison that you just did with Flow with Progressive. And I think it's kind of cool because, I mean, think about it this way, right? Like, yeah, she's a TV personality, but she is a personality. You know what I mean? And like that personality is what I see translating uh, from your social media and then obviously with your customers and whatever. But like, could you just imagine if Flow knocked on your door and sold you insurance? Like, <laughs> no, no, like actually showed up. Yeah. Like the last company I was with, their owners actually did some sales and people were always like, I can't believe the owners come in. Actually, Jeff is like that. Jeff comes out with the company I'm with right now. He goes out and does inspections and stuff. And people are like, 
I can't believe I got the owner out. And you know, it's not going to be like that forever, but it is right now. But like, could you imagine if Flo yeah. showed up at your store? And I am showing up at people's stores. And so I got a lot of fans and it's awesome. I love it. <laughs> so did you ever think when you, when you signed on with Optimum and you started doing, it's like you were really big on TikTok uh, out the gate. Uh, yeah. and those were some of my favorite videos that you did. And, and by the way, I hope anybody that's listening here, and I know obviously your fans and stuff that are going to see this, they're going to know what I'm talking about. And, you know, our, our followers, you know, which, you know, we're, you know, we're across the country and we've got listeners, uh, that, you know, uh, internationally, but, you know, obviously when we get done, there's going to be a chance for people to follow you and stuff like that. But like when you got, when you came out of the gates, with TikTok and some of the stuff that you were doing with TikTok, like I thought that was awesome. Like that was really, really great. And then now, like some of these like behind the scenes interview, you know, Facebook videos that you're doing, and and uh, and unfortunately, you know, a lot of people, and it's hard to tell this when you work in marketing and you take an idea to say an owner of a company. Um, it's sometimes it's really hard to sell them on that idea, but you know, each social media platform has their own personality and has their own, uh, you know, niche. Like, you know, for example, LinkedIn has turned into almost like a virtual Indeed, I guess you could say, you know, yeah. Indeed mixed with Facebook. <clears throat> it's more of where you go to get information. Facebook is more of the behind the scenes. TikTok is more of the, you know, the the viewership and and, and, and whatnot. So an Instagram is all about fancy, cool pictures and filters. So like each one has its own personality. What, what do you think is your favorite that you love to do? Cause I mean, you do kind of spread the love a little bit, but what's uh what's the one that gets you jacked up to, to post on? Okay. So I speak the algorithm in a couple different areas and I think that matters. So if yeah. you can speak the algorithm, you're going to do great wherever I for business purposes, I like Facebook the best because I, the way I have it set up is I'm sure we have our business account and the algorithm for business is going to guide you to a route that's going to make you pay for your boosting and for just your interactions with customers. And, um, I had this like, I, well, I, so yeah, I had this like almost a penny pincher mentality to it. And so I didn't want to do that. And I started kind of just through the personal side of things. Well, so on the Facebook algorithm, you can have up to 5,000 friends. And I was able to tailor who I wanted to be my friends. And so I started reaching out to a lot of realtors because they are in people's houses and they also have these commercial connections. So from a pest control standpoint, and they're also probably most likely to refer other people to me. And so if I have good connections with them um, and they, they just know a good array of people across the board. So I built this base of those people and property management companies and things like that. And then I was, of course, welcome to anybody else, but I'm also picky with my friends. So I'll take on some Buffalo people. I'll take on some Syracuse people. And I take on pretty much. Sorry. Um, I take on just about every pest control person that reaches out to me also. But there, I'm able to choose the network that I'm putting myself out to. And then 
I, I make good connections with those people and then the word of mouth and it kind of builds up. The problem is I am close to 5,000 and I'm the reason I'm keeping it below 5,000. I have considered just making just a more business Jasmine Pest Pro, but then to market under both of those is kind of like uh, two different algorithms I'm working with and the other algorithm is going to want to charge me and it doesn't feel worth it. I might as well just stick with floating stuff over to the optimum page and working obviously with the Jasmine Pest Pro. Um, I actually enjoy TikTok the most. It's the <laughs> most I love to be on and I speak that algorithm too, but I'm not, I'm not, and Optimum's not in a place right now where we're going to service the nation. And so while I do like having connections with the nation, as far as, um, especially in the pest control community, um, it's more of a, TikTok's more of just for fun. And it's cool to get clout and have people follow you, but I'm not seeing that translate to sales for me. So yeah. on that end, I mean, between the two of those, I'm better off devoting time into Facebook. Now, a lot of people like my Facebook is also linked with Instagram. So it'll just normally pass things over to Instagram and people follow my Instagram stuff and they comment on it and stuff also, but also very much more broader scale. And so I like, I do like Facebook because I can tailor it to the people I actually want to talk to. Nice. So, all right, let's shift gears here. Just uh, so my boss uh, doesn't uh, pick this episode apart. Um, so, okay, in the world of pest control, right? So you, you had made mention about, you know, the educational aspect and the training aspect of it. What are some of the, what are the, some of the things, obviously, you know, this isn't, I mean, with the customer service side, yeah, they taught you the ins and outs, but now you made this transition to being a tech. What are some of the ongoing educational and training opportunities that working, you know, with Optimus or Optima and, you know, uh, just working in that field kind of offers you? So, I mean, they're always encouraging me to hold as many licenses as I want to hold and I want to hold as many licenses as I can. I How many licenses do you hold right now? So I hold two licenses and then I work under other licenses, yep. um, but I have the ability to, to take on as many and, and that's my goal to do it. I'd also really like to achieve being an ACE, which is an accredited entomologist. And that would just be killer because that's, uh, but the, the feat of it is a lot of studying. Like you have to put the work in to have that and um, the time and everything. And I will without a doubt have that in time. And I think that goes to because my future roles are going to be educational roles so whether it's educating a customer or ed educating people that come on board underneath us um, having as many licenses so I can work in, in as many places and be able to have the knowledge just interwoven and then also what I'm passing on to the other people beneath me nice so <clears throat> You're, you know, I guess you're demographic, right? So is Rochester and probably what the surrounding communities all the way down through the Finger Lakes or? 
For sure, the Finger Lakes, because um, Optimum started in Canadagua. So, yep. and they and we do have a lot of business in that area, and then we have a lot of Rochester business. So, and I'm out here in Kendall, so I can take all the way into Orleans County and stuff like that too. So we got a nice spread out footprint, but right now that's where we are. We're still a small company. Uh, we're getting there, and we're we're just bringing in business, and our name is recognized really well. But I mean, we're, I would say once we take on a couple commercial accounts in some bigger cities like Buffalo and Syracuse, it would make it easier to then spread out in those areas too. But I mean, what, we're three, we're two, three years into business. So heck, we're pretty, we're already a pretty good footprint yeah. and we're keep, keep generating. So it's really, we got the right snowball rolling. Good, good, good. So <clears throat> obviously you've got some field work under your belt now right yeah yep. <laughs> talk to me a little bit about because i mean obviously following you on social media I, you know mm -hmm. some like pretty much daily i i, I see <laughs> some of the some of the cool stuff as well as some of the the bad stuff what is your favorite insect slash animal to uh to uh to mitigate Oof, um... what are your favorite jobs that you get called up on so all of my bad infestation jobs are my favorite jobs, whether it's bed bugs or rodents or just crazy bee wasp jobs. Um, I'm a little bit of a hero in those jobs. It makes me feel good and I like it. And um, I don't think they're too much of a struggle. Usually they after you, you get to go right out the gate, like hitting it full force and you get like great results when it's pretty intense like that and I and I enjoy any of the ones that are right off the bat of bad infestation they just I don't know they're I they get me fascinated and I get excited about it it's so weird but I love it <laughs> the ones I don't really care for I'd be I would say would be the ones where my customers aren't on the same page as me like and I think in the pest control world you just kind of get it but I'd say there's some commercial places out there and even some customers and like apartments even where they want to know they have pest control in place, but they don't want to do the steps that like the partnership that it takes to mitigate something. And those are the most frustrating because you have to express to them like we need a partnership right now. I need you to. And I guess the best example I can give is sometimes in like a restaurant, you might have an instance where onions or tomatoes roll under a shelf or, or a unit like that and they just okay out of sight out of mind you're like we got to sweep this up that way you know the I'm not competing a food source so if I'm putting a trap down or something they're going to want to go to that food source trap versus go to your onion or your tomato and stuff and I have a couple that just are like yeah out of sight out of mind and it's a frustration or a struggle or even wipe up those droppings and remove them so we can see what what is new coming on or um, landlords and their tenants like show up with me you know let's let's be on the same page so we can remedy it together and when we can't do that those are the biggest struggles those are the hardest to end up resolving yeah i like how you just uh you stated the the competing food source uh which uh, when we're doing removal jobs, that's one of the things that our techs, you know, that, you know, it's like almost like second nature. Like when they walk into it, it's like, okay, what are they eating? What, this, that, and the other. And we, uh, uh, we were fortunate enough to, uh, uh, to work at a Lowe's 
and right outside the Philadelphia area with our, our, our biologist down there. Her name's Kelly Ann. And when she first got there, you know, you never know what you're walking into until you walk into it. And uh, yeah, they had, they said they only had two squirrels in the store. Come to find out they had a woodchuck, a possum, and about 40 squirrels is what she estimated. And they were literally just eating out of the bird feeder section, you know, all the bird seed and and all the, you know, all the corn and and whatnot. And so all of the techs before her that have been in there because, you know, it's a corporate job. So, you know, they've got money set aside to make sure that, you know, they're at least trying to control wildlife. And, uh, she trapped some, she trapped a couple of squirrels and, uh, not being on the same page, uh, some of the employees let the squirrels go out of the traps and they took them out in the parking lot (laughs) and let the squirrel out and it just came and ran right back into the store. So uh, yeah, there's definitely that not being on the same page as uh, the people that you're working for or with, it stinks sometimes. Yeah, and those people, I mean, they think they mean well, but at the same time, time they're costing their company money they're costing us time and it's a struggle a struggle's real sometimes hashtag struggles real um all right so obviously you know the training aspect of it uh you're always i see you always uh demonstrating or displaying some of the products that you use uh what are some kind of i don't know almost like, hey, let me see your tool belt, but what are some of the, your, your go-to products that you really have a passion or you're really, you know, hey, these are the ones that I really, really endorse that work for you? Okay, so, um, man, I some of them are oh. contradicting. Some of them are like two different companies, but I just like them. So I like the Birchmeyer pump backpacks. I just think they're great, especially with the extension wand. I love that. Um, power backpack. I really like the um, flow zone, the green one. People call it like the green machine, stuff like that. I really like that flow zone and it has some cool like interchanging nozzles that I prefer. Um, I like like the good B&G, the metal one, but I was given a plastic one. We're working on it. But Let's see. Uh, bait station wise, I like the traditional Evo with the wiggly key. The other ones, all of the other ones frustrate me. However, when it comes to like rock Evos, so it would look like a rock instead of like an Evo, there's this off name brand one. And I really wish I had the name of it, but I love that one so much more. It's weighted. It has a really nice tray in it. The key works incredible. I'll have to get the name so I can pass that on. Um, Let's see. Um, product wise, like when it comes to sprays and stuff, I love Termidor, but I use Taurus a lot of the time. <laughs> but they're one <laughs> and the same product. It's just yeah. the name thing. And one has different marketing, but I like to toot the horn of their marketing and stuff like that. But um, I don't know. I kind of do it as I go along. Like if I find something that really works, I just throw it out there. So I have like um, Mr. Longarm extension pole and stuff. And I used to just have like almost a a pool one that would have a skimmer at the end and the Mr. Yeah. Longarm is very similar but that 
Mr. Longarm was just so much more stronger when I'm like trying to scratch down a nest up on like a two and a half story peak. I could, it's not like it's flexing and bowing. So I really like that. And, you know, as I find things that work, I just toot their horn and it, it's good for them. And it's good for me. Um, it's good for just marketing all across the board. And I, I just throw it out there. Yeah, absolutely. I think, you know, I think everybody has their, I don't know, it's uh, different strokes for different folks, you know, yeah. that, that whole thing. What about uh, like some of the rodent traps that you use? I know I've seen a couple of pictures recently of some, mm. uh, some very, <laughs> some very uh, yeah, target rich environment mouse trapping. Uh, yeah. So talk a little bit about the traps that you use. So I do use just the old traditional Victor mousetraps. I wish I had one here in the truck, but they, I would say they are more pushed out to pest control people. Cause sometimes when you're out in Lowe's and you look at them, they look like a little piece of cheese and there's not really like, they're, they're still a Victor mousetrap, but they're not the one I use. So this one has like this little divot where you can stuff bait into it, but then it also has a V so you can like hook bait on it. And uh, I either, my rodent has to, to tug at it to get it out or it has to really crawl up on that paddle and I prefer the traditional regular old Victor mousetraps they work great you see some of those like I think Tomcat puts them out and they're just plastic ones like I want to say it's like a Jaws or a T-Rex but made for mice and I just don't find it to be like they can get up on it and lick the material out or pull it out and it just doesn't benefit me but then like rat trap wise same thing just that massive rat trap just a big old hunkin victor rat trap i'll use those but i do use t-rexes too <laughs> um and my t-rexes always work great and they fit nice in a evo so i like that and then i used to use jaws traps and i like jaws traps but mostly because i would scribble over the jaws and treat and change it to jazz traps so. oh my goodness <laughs> <Jazz number one. laughs> <laughs> you are a character i'll put it that way um yeah so all right obviously you know uh a lot of your industry depends you know on the season yeah so right now you're coming up on what mouse season basically where most of your calls are going to be around mice i know we just got Absolutely. We've been getting crushed all over, you know, um, obviously upstate and then down in PA. Uh, like when we do our work, uh, you know, we work in Arizona as well and we're getting crushed with pigeon control out there. But uh, yeah, we just got crushed in upstate and Pennsylvania around the Philly area with a lot of chipmunk, squirrel and woodchuck jobs. Um, <clears throat> what's your, uh, yeah, what are you coming into right now? What are you seeing a lot of calls on? So I am taking a lot of rodent like mouse calls, um, but then we are getting just a ton of wildlife calls for squirrels right now. I think probably I, I'll be sent out for inspections and sometimes it'll, it will just be scheduled as a mouse inspection. You get out there and realize it's a squirrel ins inspection and a lot of flying squirrels right now, um, but definitely, I consider squirrels and chipmunks and stuff still rodents. So it's yeah. all a lot of rodent work. Um, insect wise, of course, with winter, it's a little slowed down, but these people with their wood stoves, they're getting their houses cranking hot and all these fall invaders, they didn't do treatments to do a preventative and they're starting to see cluster flies working their way in or stink bugs up on their toothbrushes and things like that. And 
I mean, it's definitely harder to, to control it because the step for that would have been in the fall before, you know, winter hit, but we're still getting the calls and still helping where we can. Talk to me about stink bugs. What? <laughs> like, I don't remember, like when I was a kid, I don't remember ever seeing stink bugs. And then now, like, I feel like all I do is see stink bugs and the vaders and stuff like that. Like, what yeah. happened here? Tell me a little bit about those. Well, you know, and I actually, I remember them being present when I was a kid, but then they really died down and I didn't see yeah. any, like, I didn't even hear about it for until just recently. And I think a lot of it is, um, well, the news has blown it up and stuff, but I think they did have a research come through. And then us up here where we are have a lot of fruit trees. So we're in an area where throughout the summer, they're out feeding off of those type of trees and stuff. Because for instance, I'll service the Hilton in Hilton and there's like a couple roads, like a pocket. And I know every single year I'm going to get crazy box elder bug calls there and their houses are just caked with box elder bugs. And then up in Holly, there's another pocket where when cluster flies, for instance, they're a field fly. So they're feeding off of earthworms. They're not really a filth fly or anything. So, and Holly's got a lot of fields around them. So, but the same thing, a pocket of cluster flies, but I think it is, we're in the right area. We're feeding them nature. Our nature is feeding them. And I think they were just reintroduced and we're a conducive area that's just allowing them to blow up. So one of the things that I blog a ton about is kind of this human thumbprint and our obsession with land development, right? Yeah. <laughs> you know, obviously we know where we live, but these people listening to us probably don't. But, you know, it's like this anywhere, though. You know, you're starting to see all these housing tracks and these, you know, these abandoned shopping malls where another shopping center is going in across the street because it's cheaper to... Yeah, it's cheaper to, to do it that way than it is to, you know, reconstruct over already, you know, cement. Uh, yeah. Anyways, are you seeing a huge uptick in your industry when it comes to, you know, like you just referenced Hilton, you know, Hilton was all farm, it was all country. And now, I mean, there's some pretty sweet housing tracks out there. Are you seeing kind of like a correlation with some of these new housing developments that have been you know, put in, you know, like you said, next to fruit farms and stuff like that. Yeah. And I mean, I think it's great for me business wise, because I know that those, those fruit farms are just thriving with things like the box elders or the stink bugs and stuff like that. And when they are approaching fall, they're going to go to a heat source and those housing tracks are just heat sources they're just going right to them so they can sit on the sides of those houses so yeah and then you know same thing though like when they're redeveloping areas and creating things they're just pushing rodents around too in other areas and people see that you'll get a like a dollar general popping up in one area and then people are like what and the next door neighbors why do i have rodents right now well you got a lot going on next to you too so it's a lot to consider talk about a good business plan i mean like Dollar General just popping up <laughs> everywhere. I mean, there's like, you can't drive through a town in America right now that doesn't have at least a Dollar General and or a Dollar Tree. Like, you know, they're like a mini Walmart. And I sometimes I hate because I was out in like the middle of nowhere, somewhere in the southern tier. And I saw that they closed this one little mini mart and then they just built a Dollar General across the street. Yeah, right next to there. That thing was that thing was mint like I walked into that thing I'm like oh 
there was yeah. a fruit section in it there was frozen section there's like clothing i mean yeah. if i can <laughs> grocery yeah. if i can grocery shop christmas shop and pick up some random hunting equipment like all all in like a nine aisle store like yeah sign me up i mean yep. if i'm yeah if i need car stuff whether it's motor oil <laughs> windshield wiper <laughs> fluid like yeah i can get a whole outfit yeah i can <laughs> dollar general like, i'm a big fan i'm a big fan but yeah. yeah so but some of those dollar generals like we've done some work and some dollar generals that are having some rodent problems and stuff like that not to you know not to shit on dollar general or anything like that but they're, they do have a lot. They've got a lot of stuff going on in there. And uh, it, it's definitely a home and beacon. But yeah, as you start to see all this land development, um, you know, we're getting calls all over the place for skunk, coyotes, foxes, squirrels. I mean, in some areas mm -hmm. that you just never really would have, you know, imagined. And then, you know, we've gotten some contracts where it's you know hey we're we're thinning out deer populations in you know in, in, in some areas that you know are a little sketchy you know but it's what we have to do i mean there's got to be a balance between the human thumbprint and just wildlife and unfortunately you know yeah we get paid to do what we do but you know it's kind of sad to see that you know we are kind of in, you know we're infiltrating their territory opposed to and a lot of people don't see it that way i think about that a lot up in irondequoit because it's like you'd just be taking a trip through a housing track eh, housing track in irondequoit they're pretty older community yeah. and stuff but just the deer populations in them and they're just out of control and you follow their facebook groups and they'll say they're out of control but they did that to themselves building up these communities because it's not like the average person can really get out in most any area around irondequoit and do hunting you know so it's like so then they just have these increases which makes sense for why they have to call you know someone in to control populations but even i notice a lot with chipmunks too it's like they just they just blew up i thought chipmunks went crazy like over the last two years i've never had so many chipmunk calls yeah and, and it's because there's you know there's not really a lot to come in and in like well and then you see it's all i hear what you're saying because even then you hear coyotes are in these weird neighborhoods and chasing cats and it's like there's a lot going on and we're not really leaving them a lot of space and at the same time the food source is there for them to come in so they're doing what they would normally do yeah they're predators and there's prey all over the place but you know, like, especially like now we're seeing a, you know, a big uptick in black bear population in Western New York and in the Southern tier and whatnot. And, you know, I mean, like that's, there's more people, you know, there's more people, more eyes, there's cell phone cameras, there's, you know, trail cameras and, and, and things like that. So, you know, uh, wildlife is, it's always been there. It's just a lot more visible now. And, you know, we had a couple, I don't know, Back in the spring, I had uh, two representatives from like the National Wild Turkey Federation on the show, and we were talking about the decline in the turkey population. And it's like, if you think about it, we're building, you know, we're developing all this land and we're literally corralling all this wildlife into one area and something's got to give. And that's something that's got to give is either a declining population of one species or an increase in your phone 
<laughs> ringing with infestation and, and so on and so forth. So I don't know. That's some of the things that just I think of. You know, it's it, it's it's sad. It's the sad part of it, but it's also the good part because it pays our bills. So yeah, yeah. 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 Um, so going forward here, bud. Uh, yeah. So when you're getting these phone calls, like these rodent calls, what are some of the best practices that you use? I just saw a video where you, uh, uh, you know, uh, kind of made your own trap with a two by four and some nails, but, uh, it was just there, but the customer really thought that was one. I was like, Oh my gosh. I was like, <laughs> but but what are some of these best practices? What are some of your best practices? Some of your, uh, yeah, what's your go-tos when you're trapping rodents and, and stuff right now? Uh, well, a lot of, I do put a lot of focus on exclusion work because in some, in some cases it's hard to do that in Rochester. We got a lot of older homes and, you know, our winters freeze things and shift things around and create new forms of entry and stuff. But a lot of keeping things out of your house is exclusion work. So I focus a lot on that. And then integrated pest management and just like looking around your house, you know, what, what ways are you feeding a pet or a pest and you don't realize you're feeding a pest or drawing them in, whether it's bird feeders or open garbage cans and even within the home. So I service this one um, apartment building in the city, but it's got some college boys and the upstairs and their, their mice are focused upstairs, of course, and not, and traditionally I would think that I'm going to find them more around the foundation in the basement, but the lifestyle of those boys is very college and like pizza boxes and stuff like that. And so just pointing things out like that, because I mean, the actual trapping and removing of them is pretty every pretty basic for most jobs, you know, so whatever ways I can like what habits can we change to make this better because it's the perhaps poor habits that are drawing them to certain areas. And then so with exclusion and then cutting back those things in general, I think you could probably remedy a problem. I mean, you might do the exclusion work and trap something in and then you got to remove those through trapping and invading and whatnot. But um, I would I do focus a lot on exclusion and IPM first. So have you ever sat down like at the kitchen table and had that life chat like, all right, guys, enough is enough. <laughs> Clean your freaking room. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So we did live at this farm in this one farmhouse, and it was a house that was going to get rodents regardless. And I have a 14 year old, and we have had that conversation like, girl, you cannot be leaving those cups in your room. You have to bring that stuff out. Um, but I also had a conversation with my mechanic like today where he's like, I'm probably the last person to get my inspection updated. And I'm almost that way too. Like I know the value of pest control, obviously, but I also am like, you know, I'm like how, how frequently am I checking my bait stations? I'll notice I have an uptick in something and then I'll go check my bait stations or something. So I prioritize myself a little late, but. Yeah, they always say like if you're a plumber, like uh, like a roofer always has like a leaky roof, right? Yeah. Like a te yeah. yeah, teachers, their kids are always the the worst in class. <laughs> like yeah. so, like as a yeah. yeah, as a pest control tech, are you just overrun with mice in your basement? <laughs> Thankfully, I'm not. But truly, when I just moved in this house and um, I and it was my childhood house. I bought it from my parents, and my parents moved to North Carolina. 
and I set like a rat trap down there and right away I got I got one and I was like oh heck man you passed on these problems to me (laughs) did you build him (laughs) I should have filled him I still think about that but he's Uh actually my dad's in town for some family stuff here and he's doing some chores for me right now so I put him to work you put him to work huh all right all right (laughs) so all right we're gonna we're gonna end on these last couple questions here one uh when you were winning archery competitions as a <laughs> young lady, did you ever think you would be trapping rats? <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, I look back on that stuff and I think I should have foreseen this was this is where I was going to be. Like, I can remember, so my my dad would take us out to hunt with him and all that kind of stuff, just give my mom a break and stuff. And I can remember he would be sending me through brush to knock out rabbits because I was the littlest. And I, even back then, I should have known this is what I would be doing. But when (laughs) I sent that, when I sent that Craigslist email over and I said, I might be a good fit. I mean, I really didn't believe I would be a good fit. I was just trying to pull myself into a job. So, so how good are you, uh, with, with a bow? Like, I mean, give me your resume. Come on, come on. Give me the resume. Let's hear it. I am Mansfield, so I'm a two-time national champion, a three-time state champion, and I have a couple Robin Hoods, so I've shot my own arrow a couple times. I got a real tight group, so. Nice. And that's actually field archery, too, so I'm shooting some distance in field archery. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. I did, uh, yeah, I'm, uh, you know, I'm pretty okay around the 3D, uh, 3D circuit, but nothing like you, but <laughs> I do have a couple Robin Hoods. My best Robin Hood story, though, and I'll, I'll, I'll share it. Okay. Uh, so I had, I broke my hand, right? Mm-hmm. And I had a cast on my hand. And this is the time where, like, people were transitioning from shooting fingers into a release. So, yeah, so I used to play, you know, I used to play football, and I was a quarterback. And the first play of the game, I got my hand stuck in a kid from Webster's helmet face mask and it snapped two of my fingers and yep finished the game we won it was awesome glory story but I broke my hand and I could and it was in a it was in a, a full cast so my dad it was my first year of of archery up here in New York and so my dad was like, uh, you can try So I tried to teach myself how to shoot left-handed and yeah, that, yeah, that kind of worked. And I was like, and then we went to, we went to the, uh, a local archery shop and he put, they were able to put a release over my cast and my third shot with a release, I Robin Hood. And I was like, I'll never shoot fingers again. (laughs) (laughs) That is awesome. You know, I think I can recall I shot archery with a cast too, but I definitely wasn't doing Robin Hoods and that's a pretty good, that's a pretty good one. Yeah. But after like, I don't know, it was like the third or fourth day of trying to, you know, trying to mess with it. Uh, I hit it too soon. You know, I hit the trigger too soon and I came back and hit my nose with a cast and just was bleeding. I was like, screw this. So I opted for a half a cast. And for that whole season, 
when my mom wasn't looking, when we would leave, I would take my cast, <laughs> I would take my cast <laughs> off. And then when she found out, she snapped and flipped out on me. And I'm pretty sure she might've broke other things than my hand. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so, um, so yeah, so three time, what'd you say? Three time national champion, two time? Two time national, three time state. Yeah. Okay. Have you shot a mouse with your bow yet on a call? <laughs> no, no, I haven't. But I, so I also do the falconry thing and I do consider getting the hawk out a few times, but I haven't also. Yeah. So tell me a little bit about the falconry thing. Obviously, um, yeah, I've written a lot. We've done, we've had guests on this show um that are that are big into falconry i think kitty carroll who's down in florida she was on this show uh yeah. she kind of yeah she's a legend in falconry so tell me a little bit about that how'd you get into that and where are you where's that going for you so i am so new into falconry and this is my second year and i'm teaching it i'm treating it like it's my my first year because i like and I think that's probably how it is with falconry. There's just, it's harder than parenting. And um, I just fell through it my first year. But the second year, my ha I got a new hawk. My first hawk, um, I let him go at the end of the season, which you can do because you're hunting all along with the hawk. So it never loses its like drive to hunt. It already yeah. knows what it's doing. Um, but that was a pretty little hawk. This year, um, I went out for trapping season. Uh, first day of trapping, I trapped all day got a bunch of little hawks right before sunset this one hawk came down and she was just mammoth and i trapped that one and that's the one i have her name is barb and <laughs> she, yeah, she is just so cool she's i wish i had her with me but she's a beast she's massive her feet are huge and um she's uh, i flyer for squirrels and she's just on them like uh, practically if we're in the woods and we're not getting a squirrel it's me not her and so the whole game of falconry for red tail hawks is i'm supposed to be in the woods rattling the trees and getting stuff to move so she can get her eyes on something and uh man she's just so powerful if she sees something she gets it and she we're having a killer year but at the same time we had some feats like she's still a wild bird so she had for like right off the trap she had some parasites and stuff that we treated which is kind of normal but she had a lot of them um and then she so she went through some antibiotic with then and now we're back in the game and going and today is a real windy day so she just get carried away so <laughs> does that mean uh pretty soon we're gonna be pushing some rabbits out into some fields for 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 barb <laughs> honestly yeah that'd be cool she was i think i haven't gotten a rabbit with her yet but i just also i'm hunting in an area that's way more squirrel conducive but yeah i would i'd love to get some some rabbits under barb okay we can do that so um last question i'll just kind of you know pick your brain here um obviously you know this show uh this episode was kind of i don't know it, it, you're a great guest. We'll have you on again. I'll have, uh, you know, we'll, 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 we'll collaborate some more. Um, but I really kind of wanted to focus on obviously what you do, who you are. Uh, and then there's this whole social media, you know, you, you, you know, you are a great example of somebody who, who branded themselves for business purposes. If you're, if, 
if somebody out there is listening right now who is in the pest control game or in some sort of wildlife, you know, business, and they're trying to, you know, they're trying to get a foothold in it, or they're trying to drum up some, you know, some attention on them. What would be kind of mm-hmm. like your, your, your 101? What's your one, two, three, uh, as far as getting that started on branding yourself? Um, speak the algorithm for sure. Know the platform you plan on using and just know the algorithm. So that way you're not wasting your time and, um, just throwing stuff out. That's not going to kick it, kick it off. Cause you'll feel defeated. Um, then put some knowledge behind it. Cause there's some people out there that'll say some stuff and you just roll your eyes or they get real big and you're like, what are they doing? Um, and you, and you can make yourself kind of come off like a fool if you say the wrong stuff and I'm sure I've done it before I've had people reach out to me and be like well um I can think Phil Falzone reached out to me once I was filling up my um, mosquito tank and I had it my hose just resting right on the screen and to me um it's keeping that six inch gap and stuff and he's like well technically that's not really right and it's nice you know when you have somebody watching your back for you and I took it and I and I actually did things differently you know and just things like that I think matter so put some thought behind what you're pushing out because you could be pushing wrong information um or just stuff that could be detrimental and then otherwise just have fun like I do I like I don't hold back I'm a goof I'm like just myself and I think that makes a difference people want to follow that yeah I definitely I couldn't agree with you more I think people I don't know when you're genuine people pick up on that uh when you're fake and you're playing a role uh people can tell uh i definitely believe how much uh how many internet trolls do you deal with uh <laughs> on a on a basis or you get ever you ever fall into those ones so honestly those, Car- I those karens <laughs> i don't get too many karens and i think i also diffuse the situation really pretty well when i do get a karen so i can think of it was one of my very first posts ever under the je account and i was still in customer service but um i had set up rat traps at my old house and we had chickens at the time anyway i ended up catching a rat right away and they I don't know if I can even find the video, but I'm like, yes. And I'm like all happy for it. And some woman went all off on how gentle and kind and smart rats are. And they're not thinking of them as a disease vector, which in this case, it's like a chicken, a chicken rat. It's gross. It's been through some really gnarly stuff. You don't want that roaming around your house. You wouldn't, they can be destructive too. Um, but I was just like, I don't know how to address this. And the owner of that company got on and wrote this thing of like really defending me. And I really appreciated it. It was cool. But otherwise, I don't really get too many trolls. I don't think I get too many trolls at all. Sometimes I do get some like guys that want to mansplain to me and I just let them. I'm like, I appreciate that they want to pass on knowledge and I just let, let them do it and stuff. But I, I don't I don't get too many trolls. Now I do, this is, I guess a little bit sexist, but I think if a dude was doing it, they would get more trolls because people, they are more harsh with men than they are with women, I think. And 110% agree with you on that. Uh, I kind of find that, found that out the hard way, Uh, (laughs) which maybe, you know, um, maybe take a step back, you know, and we're doing some things. We got some things in the works and whatnot, but it definitely made me take a step back 
uh, with some of the stuff that I was doing and putting out. Um, because yeah, you're, when you're, I don't know, cause I, I think what you said would, you know, put some knowledge behind it. Right. I think that's powerful because we do live in a day and age where like, I mean, you know, media has a tendency of pushing their agenda products, you know, uh, celebrities, you know, everybody's pushing what they believe rather than what's true, you know? So like, just put some knowledge behind it, put some facts behind it. You know, because it's really easy to get really opinionated and this is the best because I think it's the best doesn't make it the best, you know. Yeah. So, yeah, that's definitely a, a good one. And, and I'm glad you, you said that. So um, how do people find you? Here's your promo. Yeah, so pretty much any way you search Jasmine Pest Pro, you're going to find me. But on Facebook, it's Jasmine Pest Pro. On TikTok, it's Jasmine Pest Pro. On Instagram, it's Jasmine Pest Pro. <laughs> so, you know, if you're just throwing an at sign or a hashtag on it, yeah, possibly you could do Jazz's number one and find me also. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> number one Pest Pro? <laughs> yeah. Nice. Yeah. Well, again, thanks for coming on the show. Um as always, please like, share this episode. Uh, you know, we're not, yeah, we don't make money off the, off this stuff. So we don't pay for advertising. Uh, like, like you, we are 100% organically grown. Uh, so yeah, if you, if you like what you hear, make sure you subscribe, make sure you share on Facebook and, and Instagram and all that other good stuff. Uh, yeah. Great time with you. As always, uh, today's show was brought to you by Lou Makers Wildlife Management, and we are happy to have Jasmine uh, Almeter from Optimum Pest Pro, and we'll see you next time. Yeah, thank you. This was a good time. Thank you. <laughs>